0: ckut 90.3 fm will now go to an interview with mustafa Hanaway on his new booklet capitalism on the edge do stay with us
1: i'm joined here in studio right now with mustafa Hanawi, who is an organizer with the immigrant workers center and also recently the author of a new booklet Produced by the Howell Arts Collective, which is called "Capitalism on the Edge: The Crisis That Came, The Crisis That Is Yet to Come." Mustafa, welcome to the program.
0: Hi, Aaron. Thank you uh, so much for having me on CKUT off the hour.
1: Yeah. So, uh, just to start, um, give us the lowdown. What is this scene all about?
0: Uh, well, this scene was uh, initially was meant just to be an article, sort of. Asking the question, you know, looking at what was taking place in Europe in terms of the financial crisis there that sort of began in 2010 as a result of the financial crisis uh, in the United States in 2008 with the housing market crash, uh, also with uh, Lehman Brothers and sort of the financial meltdown and sort of asking the question, well, why is Canada particularly different, especially when it's so impacted by the U.S. economy? by the European economy, why were we sort of uh, standing still and sort of, yes, with a degree of higher unemployment, but no real financial market crash, no banks going insolvent, uh, and austerity not really taking place until sort of later in 2010 and 2011, sort of when the federal uh, government becomes a majority conservative government under Stephen Harper, and then also, you know, seeing bits of austerity across the board provincially and municipally in places like Toronto with Rob Ford uh, or with uh, Jean Chretien, and the attempts to impose austerity or neoliberalism, neoliberal policies uh, under the Liberal government under Quebec, which led to the student strike. But on the whole, what made Canada particularly different, sort of this idea of Canadian exceptionalism. And so looking at it, that there's the same structural issues that took place in the United States or in Europe, and actually far more advanced. You know, Canada went through an intense period of neoliberal uh, policies in the mid-90s, if, you know, one looks back to the Mike Harris years or Brian Mulroney at a federal level, the cuts to social assistance, uh, the the slashing of social programs, the attempt at privatization of certain public services, and so you actually, Canada's been going through the process of neoliberalism for, uh, you know, well into the 80s. But yet, there was still this degree of Canadian exceptionalism. So the question was really, why? Uh, And and so that's what really the zine was about, and the attempt at the zine. So uh, one of the things that looking at is that actually... Canada's situation is far more grave than the United States or in Europe and sort of this again sort of plays into the idea of kind of nice Canadian capitalism Mm -hmm. and so when you look at sort of wealth inequality and sort of what that actually means and and how does that produce crises in the system so for example before the Great Depression of, of the 30s uh, one of the things that actually happened was you had a structural change within capitalism that went from sort of agricultural in the United States sort of to, to manufacturing. And then when that actually occurred, you know you had almost 50% of the population in the United States work in agriculture that literally had dropped to roughly somewhere between 2 and 5%. Mm-hmm. And then when that actually happened, you had mass unemployment, and you had a stagnation of wages in these new manufacturing jobs because you had such a pool of, unemployed labor. And so that actually precipitated sort of the Great Depression. And again, if you actually look at Canadian capitalism and the way it functions, it's it's happening in the same way. So you have this move, you know, from, from you know, the beginnings of globalization and sort of free trade, where you sort of have this push for the race to the bottom, which sort of was based on an attack on unions, about an attack on the social wage, uh, leaving higher amounts of people unemployed, Uh, And, you know, at the current level, the majority of people, you know, 47% in Toronto are precarious workers in the service sector, where they work day to day, and literally paycheck to paycheck, and the Canadian Payroll Association actually stated that... uh, 47% 47% or 40, 47% of people in the city of Toronto, if they were not to be paid the following week, would begin to default on their debts, would actually not be able to survive. Uh, also in Toronto, you had 1.2 million visits uh, to, the, uh, to food banks mm. in 2012, which is a record number. Mm-hmm. 50% of those are immigrants. So that the, sort of the idea of this nice job, the good job, the good house, sort of is really collapsed. And also at the same time, you have huge wealth inequality in Canada, unprecedented. And, you know, many people sort of look towards, you know, they think of United States kind of capitalism or they look at Europe. For example, England, which is a, has a much you know, wealthier economy, uh, only has 32 billionaires. Canada actually has double the amount of billionaires than the United Kingdom at 64. It's pretty staggering. It's pretty staggering. Uh, And so you have these conditions that actually have led, uh, you know, amongst sort of working people, poor people, where uh, they still have to live. People still have to pay rent. People still have to eat food. And what it's actually led to is a massive debt bubble where actually capitalists are are profiting off of it. And so the party's not really over for them. Uh, Canada has, uh, you know, per capita, 160% debt-to-GDP ratio on a personal level, Mm -hmm. which is groundbreaking because that's actually more than what the United States hit before the crisis, and that's what happened in England before the crisis of 2008.
1: And can you explain that statistic a little bit?
0: Okay, so... uh, so essentially, if people are making $30,000 a year, that their debt, what they own, would be $50,000. So they own far significantly more in debt than they actually make. Wow. And that's not actually as a result of people just not being able to get good work, but it's actually the way the economy is structured. hmm Right. That most the minimum wage is actually below the poverty line Mm -hmm. Uh, and wages in the last 30 years have gone down. So all of that has just been cycled into profit. People are getting poorer, yet the banks are recording huge profit. And, you know, from personal debt, the banks make that's 27 percent of their revenue. Mm -hmm. And so we have an economy post the crisis that's completely on eggshells. And people, you know, our ruling elite, like Jim Flaherty, uh, completely understand this. And all they can do is try to hold it together before it bursts out the seams. Mm -hmm. So one way they've done that is by keeping interest rates low. What does that actually mean? It means that uh, people can accumulate more debt or that people uh, will be able to sustain what they've been able to sustain for the last decade. Right. but. They're going to have to raise interest rates. And once they actually do that, it means people are going to begin to default on their loans. And it means that uh, people are not just going to default on their loans. Working people will default on their mortgages. People will start defaulting on their credit cards and all kinds of forms of personal debt. And when that actually trickles through, you're actually going to see a growth of unemployment. Uh, You'll see a tightening of credit. Uh, and you're actually just going to see a worsening of the the situation that we're actually already in, putting Canada into a crisis.
1: Mm-hmm. So, if if I can just jump back in, of course, we're talking about this new booklet that was launched on uh, uh, by the the Howell Arts Collective called "Capitalism on the Edge." Um, I know one of the things that you argue in it, uh, one of the main points that you bring up, and of course, is reflected as well in the work you do at the Immigrant Workers Center is um, this idea that we need to kind of formulate a new way of looking at class, and one that really actually starts to bring in and acknowledge the the realities of migrant labor. So can you talk a little bit more about that?
0: Well, I mean, a lot of the way that, you know, work was restructured, sort of as a result of globalization was sort of was in two ways, right? That you sort of, uh, you force down wages by taking jobs abroad, shitty jobs abroad. You know, people know about the sweatshops and sort of export processing zones and sort of in the global south. But another way of doing that is by bringing cheap immigrant labor in, sort of so a a reverse, sort of insourcing. And so that kind of happened in three folds. I mean, one, you have a large pool of undocumented labor uh, of non-status migrants, which in Canada ranges between 250 to 400,000 people. And then sort of the second large restructuring was uh, bringing in sort of temporary foreign workers. And that now has resulted in 300,000 other migrant workers. So already a large, you know, Canada's not a very big country. It just reached 35 million people. That's, you know, old people, young people. So out of the labor force, you know, almost 14% of that is precarious migrant labor. On top of that, when you're looking at immigrants, even with status, much of them face the brunt of sort of poverty or working poverty. A lot of them are the people that serve the coffees, that work at Tim Hortons, that do the shit jobs. And, you know, in the service sector... So they face the brunt of that. And, you know, out of that 1 million people who actually went to food banks in Toronto last year, the majority were working people and 50% of them were immigrants. Mm -hmm. So uh, the idea of class, because the way capitalism has changed is not, you know, sort of the old white guy who's unionized with a good pension anymore. It's completely precarious based on migrant labor. Uh, without any rights, without the ability to organize. And so this is not uh, sort of a margin of the economy anymore. This is central to the way the economy functions. Mm -hmm. And actually Canada has, you know, it's not necessarily new. You know, if one actually looks back to the beginnings of the Canadian state, this is actually the way the Canadian state sort of functioned, the way Canadian capitalism actually functioned Mm -hmm. on, on twofold to make profit. Because it didn't actually have a slave labor force. So it had cheap migrant labor and the expropriation of indigenous people's lands uh, to build the railway and to sort of expand into the West. And now what we're beginning to see is the same thing over again that the pipelines have become, quote unquote, a national priority. You know, and this is from the banks, this is from Stephen Harper. And the only time that you hear that language was actually Sir Johnny Macdonald. Sir Johnny Macdonald, the first prime minister, said the Canadian Pacific Railway is a national priority, and under the Canadian law, under national interest, we can remove Indigenous communities at will for national interest.
1: Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> lastly, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the, the fight back, which I know you also mentioned in the zine. Of course, uh, the launch for this zine was just held uh, at the beginning of October. And we heard from people at that event like uh, Noé uh, Santos, who uh, also works at the Immigrant Workers Center and does a lot of organizing with uh, temporary uh, foreign workers uh, working in the agricultural industry. We heard from Jacques Baudouin, Movement action, chômage. Um, so a lot of different perspectives were offered and in, in how people are are battling this, this crisis that came and the crisis that's yet to come. So lastly, can you just talk a little bit about what needs to be done in terms of confronting this crisis in capitalism or this crisis that is capitalism?
0: I mean, I think there's, uh, there's two major things. I mean, I think. Uh, One thing is that we need to see the current struggles that we're all engaged in, whether it be migrant justice for regularization and status for all, whether it be anti-poverty struggles, uh, whether it be the struggles around unemployment insurance, that sort of we need to begin to see an analysis that's actually relevant to people but broad enough to be able to bring us all together. Uh, And I think... And an, and another thing that's going to be critical at this moment is that we can't actually look to existing structures; that we actually have to build new structures of working people, of poor people. And I mean, we're seeing things that are popping up now, whether it be in Montreal, like the APAM, uh, the Autonomous Popular Assemblies of you know uh, in the different quartiers. or and then sort of in the struggle against gentrification and speculation, because that's a front line of the way capitalism been able to profit off of this crisis through the displacement of poor people in their neighborhoods across the city. And I think another thing is actually the struggle for, uh, uh, you know, a living wage for all, you know, on whether you're on old age security, whether you're on social assistance, or whether you're working minimum wage or below minimum wage. Mm-hmm. That's a fight because they have no intent of giving people any of that well, they profit off of us being more and more and more in debt.
1: Mm-hmm. So again, we're speaking with Mustafa Hanawi, who is the author of a new booklet uh, just released on, uh, or by the Howell Arts Collective. It's called uh, Capitalism on the Edge, the crisis that came and the crisis yet to come. Uh, finally, Mustafa, for people who want to uh, get their hands on this scene, where can people find it?
0: Oh, people can find the zine at... Uh The Concordia Co-op Bookstore, uh, located at Bishop, uh, just below Sherbrooke. Uh, You can also email me, uh, mhenaway at gmail.com, or you can also buy it from the Howell Arts Collective website, uh, which is howellarts.net. Yeah, and you can get it from there. All right. Thank you once again,
1: Mustafa Hanawi.
0: Thank you, Aaron.